0: This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org Focused on transforming the workplace of every Christian into a mission field because your workplace, it's your mission field and your primary place of ministry.
1: Yeah, we are... um Really pleased every day to be a part of this conversation, Jim, and inviting our listeners to join in to learn new things each and every day. And so thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that you will gain something that you take home with them, w- with yourself. Um, but in the meantime, call our listener line. Not while we're talking, of course, you know, don't want to interrupt the conversation. But uh, during a break or after the show, actually, you can call in anytime, 866 713 seven one three work and leave us a message we would love to hear what God's doing in your workplace how you've been challenged maybe what God is stirring in your heart and if you need any connections to anybody who's gone that gone that road before you or you know we're big believers in not reinventing the wheel so if we can help connect anybody with anybody um, that is a big part of what I work for him does on a daily basis
0: you know Martha you and I get an opportunity to talk to people all the time And connect them to ministries you've highlighted. And just this morning, I connected one guy in Dallas to a ministry out of Oregon that originated in Tampa, identityanddestiny.com. And then we also got an email from a listener right before the show. Who used to use her I Work for Him Nation sticker to hold the binding of her Bible together? And somebody <laughs> at church, her name is Chris, somebody at her church said, Hey, can I get your Bible rebound for you? Oh, and when they rebound it, they put I Work for Him on the cover in gold Bossing.
1: Oh my word. We <laughs> got to get a photo of that. I asked her That's for the photo awesome! already. So
0: it, it's fun. All right. So, guys, today we're going to talk about something amazing that happened in Manila. And no, we're not talking about the thriller in Manila. That was a lot of years ago. And Muhammad Ali's gone. All right, We're, 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 We're talking about the Lausanne Conference, and today bringing the Lausanne Conference is two guys from the Navigators. We've got President Emeritus Jerry White of International Navigators, Navigators International, and we got Al Miashta. Miasta, I said it wrong. Anyway, Miasta. even though I practiced, even though I practiced, Miasta, I apologize. Al, you could throw something at me. He's calling in from NYC, so if you hear sirens and helicopters going by, it's because he's in NYC. Uh, these guys got the chance to go to Manila to interact with hundreds of people from all over the globe, figuring out this whole faith and work movement as it impacts the entire globe. Jerry White, Al Miasta, thanks for calling in to IWork for Him today. Great
2: being with you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so, uh, Jerry, let's just start off. With, we, we always love to do this with every guest. Tell us a little bit about how did, how did you become a Jesus follower, Jerry White?
3: Well, first of all, I'm a child of a divorced family. We moved from a little town in Iowa with my new stepfather to Spokane, Washington. And there, as a very disoriented young guy, um, a group of businessmen started a Sunday school in our neighborhood, and that's where I clearly heard the gospel, so the, and I came to Christ through that businessman. His name was Bob Schepler. And he, with a bunch of other ordinary business guys, helped me and a number of other young men to come to Christ. So my first model and of a believer who was serious about following Jesus was a businessman.
2: That's how I came to faith.
0: Mm. Al, what about you? How did you become a Jesus follower?
2: Sure. As a freshman at the University of Colorado, I was coerced into a Bible study because these guys were coming around in the dormitories asking people who wanted to be in Bible studies. And I grew up a Buddhist and had no interest in a Bible study, so I said no. And they were obviously well-trained because they continued to pursue me. As they said, well, as an engineering student, uh, you're studying great books. And I said, yes, that's right well, the Bible is a great book, shouldn't you uh, know about another great book? And I thought, okay, fine. Well, one hour and for four weeks, I studied the book of John, and at the end of the four weeks, they shared the gospel using the bridge illustration, and they asked me, where was I on this illustration? I told them I was on man's side, and I fell off the cliff on the other side. And they asked me, well, wouldn't I want to become... Uh, come to God's side, and I said, well, you know, as a Buddhist, I really don't know if that God really exists. And so I couldn't make that decision. Well, the seed was planted, and two years later, um, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I tell people it took me two years because I'm a slow learner. Um, and during those two years, I kept running into Christians whose lives were very, very different than mine. And really, the common thing was the fact that they had a personal relationship with Jesus. And so I finally made that decision to accept Christ as my Savior and to commit myself to following Him and making Him Lord in my life.
0: Mm. I love that.
1: Wow. So kudos for those people just really taking that step and really introducing you at the the beginning of your college. Were were
0: they Navigators, guys? They They were. They were? They really were? They really were.
1: That is great. That's
0: fantastic.
1: So for our listeners, putting that together, that's really what we're going to be talking about today, so that that's where your journey with the Lord began. So, Jerry, just uh, let our listeners know, how does your faith shape your work? Well,
3: my faith shapes everything I do in life. Mm. But it took me a while to figure out that God had a special place for work in my life. And I realized I was called to the United States Air Force, and I was called to my work as an astrodynamicist <laughs> and as an engineer, and I was called to the students that I was teaching at the United States Air Force Academy. Mm. So I realized that every assignment I had was organized and ordained by God, and it became very clear to me that the work was a very much a part of this. And therefore, I needed to do my work well, with excellence, with competence, as a witness for Jesus in the context that he had called me.
0: What Mm -hmm. an amazing advantage, though, you had, Jerry, because you you knew from the beginning that it was okay to be a business guy and run after Jesus. And and they encouraged you. I mean, they showed you that it could be done, that you didn't have to be a pastor of a four-walls church or a foreign missionary to be in ministry. These guys showed you it was okay to be in ministry as a business guy.
3: Well, it, 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 that is true, but there were a lot of pressures on me. Jerry, if you really want to serve God, you need to come full-time with the Navigators, go to seminary, do something really serious. Oh, I,
0: you did have that spoken, those lies well, spoken I into your life.
3: Doing God's work here. That was, that was not a simple thing, and those pressures were on me.
0: Well, I mean, but... <laughs> So, I mean, those lies are still pervade today, but in less and less fashion, because people understand it. What about you, Al Miasta? Uh, you were introduced to Christ through the Navigators. You now represent the Navigators in New York City, the largest metropolitan area in the United States. I know it's not in the globe, because there's bigger cities around the, around the globe. But, h- I mean, how did you—what what you, did you get a degree in, in college? In chemistry. Chemistry. Okay. So, I mean, chemistry, I mean, you learned all about how awesome and predictable chemistry is based on how God designed it all. But how did your faith shape your work as you graduated?
2: Well, Jerry is where Jerry is because of who Jerry is. And and, uh, mine is a little different in that um, I was a relatively young Christian. Mm -hmm. So I struggled with my faith at work. And I basically took the perspective that work is a job to make money so I could buy nice things like a car or a house. And so I got stuck with paying the bills because I needed to work to pay the bills and I was in this vicious cycle. And so in essence, I was enslaved to my work. But as I grew in my faith through Bible study, uh, buying of those nice things lost their appeal and I began doing my work unto the Lord. I was doing an excellent job, but suddenly my work became a career where I became interested in positions, promotions, and prestige. In short, work had become an idol. Finally, as I continued to grow in my faith through further Bible study, I realized that I was at work to glorify Him, that He had created me for good works, and that it was a calling, and God Himself had called me to the work I was doing. So just like Jerry, I realized it was a calling.
0: Hmm. That's very cool. Hey, on top today, we have a fast-moving show with what in the world is going on with Christians in the work all over the globe. We've got Jerry White, International President Emeritus of the Navigators, who will talk to us about the Luzon Conference, along with Al Miasta. Both of them got to go. These guys both work for the Navigators. Al in New York City, Jerry out of Colorado Springs, but these guys are always all over the place. They're also going to talk about how the Navigators are not just feeding into people on college campuses, but into workplaces as well. Jerry White, Al Miasta, welcome to iWork for Him. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jerry, we want to talk about the Lausanne Conference, and and it's not something that, I mean, I first read about it, you know, I don't know, 8, 10, 10, 15 years ago, maybe. Um, And I know the first one was held in the 70s, I think. Tell us what the Lausanne Conference is all about.
3: First of all, there's a lot of history. Billy Graham and John Stott began the Lausanne Conference in 1974 saying the Christian leaders of the world did not know each other and gathered 2,500 people in Lausanne, Switzerland, thus the name Lausanne. In 1989, another congress of 4,000 uh, met in Manila, and, um, but the, the key at Manila was one of my businessman friends said, Jerry... Out of 4,000, there are only 40 people who are laymen, who are business guys. you got to change this. Mm-hmm. So when we organized the 2010 Lausanne conference in Cape Town, we had 400, maybe more than that, people out of the secular business world. And from that, a group of us got together and said, you know, this is not enough. We need to impact the world By saying that work is a calling and workplace people not just business and CEOs can have an effect and so we began to design the global workplace forum that took place in Manila in last in June of this year and there we gathered 750 people from 112 countries 65 percent of whom were are directly out of the workplace to discuss how workplace people can have an effect for the kingdom wherever they are around the world.
0: I love the fact that you delineated that workplace is not just business people. That's right. We talk about that all, all the time on the air, Jerry, because some people don't think they're part of the marketplace. People that work in the government or people that work in the arts and education or the military, uh, health care, they don't think they're part of the marketplace. So when we say marketplace, you're like, ah, you're not talking to me. Even though we all really are part of the marketplace, because we all shop in the marketplace for sure, <laughs> uh, we, we talk about the workplace more often than we do talk about the marketplace because we don't want to alienate people. Jerry, you had, well, Al, you got to go too, right?
2: Yes, I did.
0: Was this your first time?
2: Uh, Well, it was the first time going to the specific uh, workplace forum. Uh, I had gone to the Lausanne conference uh, in Bangalore.
0: Wow, very, very cool. So what was your impression? What what was was your biggest takeaway uh, from this global workplace forum that happened in Manila? What, What was your biggest takeaway from your time there with all 750 people?
2: Yeah, I think uh, what really struck me was the young entrepreneurs that were uh, giving their talks on stage, and really a lot of them were focused on social issues, and that really struck me because, you know, we think of uh, social issues, and we think those are some things that perhaps we might do later on in our life, but these were young millennials, for sure, you know, taking that mantle on early and wanting to do something on the social issue. So that was really something that moved
1: me. That's fabulous. So Jerry, as our listeners are getting up to speed on what the Luzon conference is and specifically the global workplace forum that you um, participated in and were a part of this summer, um, what, what can our listeners, like how did they, um, what was the actual purpose of everybody coming together in that workplace and what kinds of discussions were happening?
3: Well, the purpose was to help workplace people understand that God is in their work, that work is holy, that work is a holy calling, and work is the pathway for the gospel around the world, not just in the, quote, marketplace, as you said, mm-hmm. but in the workplace, in the factories, on the diaspora of migrant workers all over the world, in the, in the uh, factories in India, in the... Uh, farms around the world. So, everywhere they are, they ought to be called by God. And what we wanted to do was first to engage them in the conversation. Secondly, we wanted to energize them and we wanted to equip them. Three E's. And out of this forum, we expect to multiply those country by country and region by region. Uh, across denominational lines. And Luzon is simply the instigator, that is the networker, the pusher, to mm-hmm. get it to happen.
0: Al, I I love your takeaway. And I want to go back to Al Miasta in New York City. As you were in Manila, and you said you were astounded you, that you were so encouraged by the fact that young people, millennials, and really, it, it, I mean, the, the youngest millennials are now in their mid-20s, so we're, we're getting into the Gen Zers that are coming up right after them, that they were focused on social issues. They were, were they focused on business solutions for social issues? Is that what you're talking about?
2: Well, no, they were actually going to where these people were at and trying to help change their life. Whether it was, you know, people that were, uh, trafficking, whether there were people that were um, enslaved, labor, things like that. You know, I was intrigued that they got into those kinds of issues and, and were really, you know, setting up um, programs to extract them from those situations.
0: So, it, but what's amazing is, so you're hearing this worldwide, that the, these young people are, are focused on social issues. There's an amazing movement in our country of young millennials building business models around solving social issues. Have you seen that?
3: We saw oh, yeah, that happening. Ella, we saw many examples. And by the way, 40% of those who were at our conference were under the age of 40.
1: And Say it that again, what percentage? 40%. Wow.
3: And we had 33% women. And and we had 65% directly out of the workforce. All that was purposely set up with those of us as I was helping lead this in our selection process to make sure we had the next two generations that were present with us, because they're going to carry it on. Just another comment, both Al and I come out of corporate backgrounds. Al as an executive with IBM, so he lived his entire career in the workplace. I came out of a... A military background, both uh, as a faculty member at the Air Force Academy, but also as a, a general officer leading people and influencing people uh, in the military. Both of us have had to live in the context where the PC environment controls you, and yet to have a clear and to have a clear witness in that regard.
0: Excellent. So uh, I want to hear from you, Al, when when you got to hear a lot of this stuff, I love your perspective. Y- you shared your greatest takeaway, young people focus on social issues. What what did you come away with while we still have some work to do here? What was that?
2: Yeah, in fact, uh, just connecting with some of the folks that were doing things. So building the network and then coming back to a situation that we have here in New York City, uh, we have an effort up in Harlem and we're working with at-risk youth. And so my thinking was, well, how do I come back and and perhaps uh, work with some of the business people so that we can start some businesses that would allow these people who are going through these at-risk programs come out of it and then have some kind of a, uh, a career, not, not a job where they're, where they, they have kind of a dead end kind of a situation, but, a situation that gives them hope and, and uh, a purpose. So that's that's what I kind of walked away with, and I had a conversation with uh, people that I had met there in Manila. So it was a great opportunity for networking and then to hear about what other people doing are doing and then to think about, well, how do we transpose that into a situation we have here?
0: Jerry White, President Emeritus of Navigators International out of Colorado Springs, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And we got Al Miasta. He's calling in from New York City, where they don't make good salsa, but they have incredible pizza. (laughs) These guys just got back from, at the end of June, from a conference in Manila, the Global Workplace Forum. But both of these guys, Al is the city director for the Navigators in New York City. Al, so the Navigators in college led you to Christ. They challenged you as a Buddhist to read the Bible, which that's the greatest secret weapon in the world, isn't it?
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Without getting exposure that way, I probably would not have heard the gospel.
0: And they made you read the book of John, which again is like the biggest secret weapon in the Bible. A secret, not so secret. Well, it's a secret, not so secret, but to get people to read it, it's amazing, isn't it? When you get people to read the scriptures, it's transformational.
2: Absolutely, the word of God never returns without accomplishing what He desires.
0: And we find so often, Christ followers, and many people listening to the show today are like, "Well, I don't have an idea to how to share my faith." And I just—we've shared this idea many times, and because you brought it up, I want to emphasize it again. So many of us don't know what to do, and and it used to be we we're like, "Well, you try to share your story, and then you lead them through the four spiritual laws or the bridge example, and we're like here's a deal." You're never going to lead somebody to Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's job, but you can tell your story. But tell your story and then give your friend, the person you're sharing with, a copy of the Gospel of John. Now, I used to give people Bibles because that's what I could do, but then I found out about the Pocket Testament League, where you can get 100 Pocket Testaments for the price of a Bible. So you can get 100 Gospels of John, and it's a lot cheaper to do it this way. And give people a Gospel of John and say, read this, get back to me. And then we'll have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Really, that's what the navigators did to you, isn't it? That's right. Over four yeah. over four weeks. So, um, how did your how did you deal with the family impact, Almiasta, as you were brought up Buddhist and they found out you became a Jesus follower?
2: Yeah, that was a uh, actually a tough one for them because uh, we had a family shrine and my grandmother. Uh, wanted that family shrine to to go to me that I would take over from that, and then uh, when I became a Christian, she uh, had that go to my sister, Uh, and then my sister became a Christian, so I really don't know where that um, family shrine went, but, you know, having that family shrine and having that connection was a a very key thing of our upbringing, Uh, Mm so... Uh, yeah, it had. It it was not easy uh, for me to have the conversation with my family, and through the years, though, as they saw a difference in my life, it began to realize. Yeah, there must be something to this.
1: Hmm. Wow. So, so Jim, you wanted to kind of switch gears and talk about the navigators. Yeah, right? talk
0: about the navigators. Okay, so Al, you had two navigators rope you in, as you said, uh, corral you into a Bible study. And then you went off, you graduated with a chemistry degree, you went to go work for IBM, which I'm trying to figure out about like chemistry and IBM. Don't they make computers at IBM? Yes, they do. Back they when do. you got out of college, that's what they were doing, because I interviewed with them in Rochester, Minnesota, and they figured out I didn't fit the, the IBM culture. They were right. I did have the blue suit on with the red tie and the white shirt, but other than that, I didn't really fit. So how did you, how did you end up back at the Navigators being city director in New York City?
2: Well, I've been connected to the Navigators all through uh, the latter part of my collegiate career, and then after graduating, got involved with the collegiate ministry, stayed in contact with them throughout helping on campus, etc. And then um, as as a worker at IDM, I was able to take an assignment in Tokyo, which is a whole different story and, and mm-hmm. one that would be great to tell later on, but... Uh, In Tokyo, I got involved with the young business professionals there, with the navigators, and helped uh, in their ministry there. And then throughout the time, I got involved uh, coming back home, uh, living living on the East Coast, uh, got involved with the church, got involved with Young Life. And uh, then I eventually found myself uh, on the U.S. Board of Directors, and then after that became the city director and was also the workplace mission director. Well,
3: you've You worn know, just as a background for Al, we brought him on the board of directors of the Navigators. But his heart being also in ministry, we had, we then recruited him to become Navigator staff, mm. and uh, so he's held a number of responsibilities, particularly leading our workplace ministries. So he's the perfect one to be on with us today, Jim and Martin. But, but
0: Jerry, but Jerry, isn't it true that when Al was working at IBM, he was in ministry there too?
3: Exactly. Okay, I just want to check. Just is, want to, hey, you, you caught me. Good I catch. did. I, I'm like, <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, when
0: you were at the Air Force, weren't you
3: in ministry too? Oh, absolutely. The whole okay. time. And so we need to redefine the whole term ministry. Mm, you are yes. called to full time ministry wherever you work. So when I was on the faculty of the Air Force Academy, when I was leading people in the space world of the Air Force, I was in ministry, and my influence there throughout, even today. I'm doing Bible study with a four-star general, astronaut, uh, major commander, uh, reported to the president, and, um, and so that is the world that we live in, helping them to walk and live where God calls you. And we got to get rid of the word secular. There is no such thing as secular work. It's sacred work
0: that's right very good jerry I like that i know we're good friends but i had to call you out i'm very sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs> because <we know> <laughs> you also
0: use that term lay ministry we don't use that on i work for him either that's no, we, we got to get rid of that that's and, right. oh yeah. Now we're talking. Now we're we, having a conversation. We
1: know where your heart is. We just want our listeners to hear that because, you know, it is tough on a daily basis to define what it is that really God's doing in the work space. So, Jerry, you have, you know, people see that you were um, very involved in military. How did that transition to your connection with Navigators?
3: Well, first of all, I've been, like Al, I've been involved with the Navigator since I was at university, which is where I came to be in touch with the NAVs. Mm -hmm. And basically, my roommate had been led to Christ by the NAVs, and then he started doing quiet time and Bible study with me. And as I went on through my Air Force career, just kept being in touch, and then actually starting some Navigator outreaches at Purdue University and the Air Force Academy when I was uh, teaching there and doing grad work. And mm-hmm. then um, Lauren Sandy, the president of the Navigators, one day said, Jerry, would you leave your career and come um, and do some leadership things with the Navigators? As we did that, the Air Force also asked me to stay in the Reserves, and so I continued essentially with the dual career for some time. Um, and God blessed that. Mm-hmm. But it was a hard transition because I was so convinced that God had called me to the Air Force so why would he bring me out of a very fruitful place and to where I didn't know if I would be fruitful? But God mm-hmm. bless, and we are where we are.
0: So, okay, Al and Jerry, when people think of the Navigators, they think of just what you guys have described, college campuses grabbing kids before they get completely brainwashed by the progressive agenda of college of university life. But this is, Navigators is so much more today, isn't it? Al, why don't you run with that? What, what,
2: how yeah, is actually, actually, the Navigators uh, started in 1935 with a bunch of sailors in Long Beach, and that's where the whole Navigator movement got started. And I think from there, you know, after the war, the sailors started to go back to college, living communities, go to churches. And so I think our ministry is kind of, grew wherever they went. And so today, Mm. not in addition to the collegiate ministry, the military, and churches, we also have the 20s, the workplace, neighbors, I-58, which is the urban uh, ministry. We also have ministry with international students, our uh, global mission, which is the sending part of us in the U.S., and then uh, ministry that we call Nations Within, that is people groups that have moved to the U.S., from other countries and choosing to stay in the U.S., we are reaching out to them as well.
0: So, Jerry, let's talk about the workplace focus, because this is our work for him. Talk, I mean, because, again, this is, everybody listening today is going, no way. Navigators is involved in the workplace? They don't know. I think we lost Jerry for a second there. Al, pick it up. How? How, how is, Jerry, do you, can you hear me now, Jerry? Yes, I'm back on. Okay. Tell me about Navigators in the Workplace. Tell me what, because everybody, everybody listening is so shocked that Navigators is involved in workplace ministry. Tell us about What are you guys doing?
2: Thank you, Al. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, we've been actually involved in the workplace as our staff have always been involved in people's lives, and a number of them have always been business people. And so as a staff person, they've always had outreaches to uh, the businessmen. We became a mission, uh, a a formal mission within the organization, probably about six years ago, and and really the reason for that was because we saw a tremendous need and opportunity that the Navigators could continue what they had been doing, which is uh, raising up disciples and raising up disciple makers based on the Second Timothy 2-2 Verse. And so what are we doing in the workplace today? We have uh, picked up a tagline that, that I'd like to share with you is transforming mm-hmm. the worker, to the work, and the workplace. And we believe that in working with a person, helping them develop their relationship with Christ, they then become a, a different type of worker. It affects their work. People begin to notice that change in, in, in their work uh, habits and, and how they produce things. And then it starts to affect, if you will, the whole workplace. And and so I have a story that, that uh, I'd like to share from one of... Um, really uh, quick. Workshop you got 30 that, seconds. Okay. We had an overbearing, demanding boss, and a woman was working for this boss. And then what happened was, over time, she took a leave of absence because it was too much on her life. And so she got her life back into what were needed, uh, boundaries in her life and perspective. She went back to the boss. By this time, the boss is going crazy because they were you know, not able to do all the work that she was doing. But the worker went back and said, I can come back, but these are the boundaries I need. I need you not to call me during these hours of six to nine because wow. that's when I'm spending time with my family. I need to have a heads up on when I'm going to do overtime both during the week and on mm-hmm. the weekends. It was one of those seasonal things. Um, That's the,
0: fantastic. The hey, we, we got it. We got to run. You're listening to the I Work Room radio show. We're talking with Jerry White and Al Miasta from The Navigators. Check them out online, navigators.org. Thank you, gentlemen, for being on the show today. You know, we're talking about The Navigators because here's the deal. Ladies and gentlemen, we're all learning this together, but The Navigators is not just about college ministry now apparently since 1935 it's never just been about college ministry but the majority of us think navigators college Mm -hmm. but that's not true they've got so much more and so we got jerry and al on here jerry's calling in from colorado springs and al from new york city to talk to us about this al my apologies radio is one of those things where it just comes to a dead end at the end of the segment i'd interrupt your really cool story can you go back to and just prep it up again because you had a story you wanted to share of of the significance of how Navigators has impacted somebody in their workplace.
2: Yeah, I apologize. I, I've been kind of trained while I was in Japan. I was in Japan for 10 years with IBM on two assignments, and so I was trained to talk a little bit slower so that they could understand me uh but
0: yeah
1: <laughs> what are you saying? say jim needs a decade in japan to slow down
0: it would never happen
2: oh. uh, so yeah i was telling a story about this woman who had an overbearing demanding boss and and really had no boundaries on her time just really kind of um interrupted everything during mealtimes, during the weekends, etc. And so she was so uh, overwhelmed by this whole thing that she asked for a leave of absence. And during that leave of absence, she began to get her perspectives on her life, realized that she needed boundaries in her own life and at work. And so she went back to the boss. And by this time, the boss is overwhelmed with the work that had needed to be done because this woman was a workhorse for yeah. that uh, boss. So Nancy goes in and says, hey, I'm willing to come back under these conditions that you don't call me during uh, the hours that I'm having dinner and working with my kids, six to nine. You can call me after nine o'clock. If we're going to work overtime, I really need to have a heads up so I can make uh, a combination during the week. And then I know that we are in a, an industry where you know, we can work, sometimes happens again, if you give me a heads up and I can make the combination, then I'll be glad to come back. Well, of course, the boss is willing to do that because she needed this workhorse back. But anyhow, the good thing about it was she came back, set those boundaries and, and then had a a conversation with her boss about Jesus led her to Christ. Then the boss realized, Oh, she was a workaholic. She imposed workaholism on the whole department she changed her whole perspective, put boundaries on everybody, and changed and transformed, if you will, that workplace.
1: Wow, that is awesome.
0: <laughs> uh, and who says you have to be the leader to transform a culture right. that uh, That's phenomenal. Jerry White, you wanted to tell us about the navigators, how people can get in touch here in the u s with lots of different we've got. In my estimations, well, from what I've heard from Barna, 150, 160 million people in the workforce in the United States, 36% of those people claim to be born again Christians. So approximately 50 million, because I don't have a calculator in front of me, are Christians, quote unquote Christians in the workplace. How can they engage the navigators to be more vibrantly effective in living out their faith at work?
3: Well, we're in every major city of the United States with uh, outreaches into those cities: Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, uh, Minneapolis, Albuquerque—you name it. Mm-hmm. Now, major college campus. But the fact is, the college campuses go into the work, so we have to transition them. So you would go to the website navigators org, or you, and it will give a way to contact us. We can identify staff that are near you, or other people who are just associated with the NAVS, both Al and I, for most of our careers, we were just ordinary people walking alongside the Navigators, and we have those all over uh, the United States as well as all in the world. Worldwide, we're about 6,000 staff. Um, we're in about 112 countries. But half of that is in the United States, and we love to connect people in our churches with the two seven Mary- ministry the the uh, church discipleship ministry as well as many other uh, types of workplace ministry so we'd love to connect people and to give them an opportunity to get into a bible study to do one on one discipleship to engage with others who have a heart for the gospel. But I want to comment on that percentage in the workplace that are believers.
0: Mm-hmm. We
3: ought to be able to transform the entire workplace. Yeah. But the problem is most people think, Well I get out of my work, then I go do ministry in a Bible study or I go to church and do ministry there. Not thinking of what their outreach can be right work. And we need to teach them how to do that and we can.
1: So how are you teaching them? What kinds of resources are you able to encourage the day-to-day worker with?
3: Okay, Al, why don't you tell about some of the Lilly Foundation and some of the, the resources we have?
2: Yeah, so in addition to uh, what Jerry mentioned on the 2-7 series, which is really... Hey, a, Al, a,
0: a, hang on a second. I just want to let everybody know. We're talking about the Navigators, navigators.org, navigators.org. Mm-hmm. we got Jerry White calling in from Colorado Springs, international president emeritus of the Navigators. And we got Al Miasta calling in from New York City, the city director, which is no small thing for New York City. It's like being a state director of 50 percent of the states in this country mm. okay al talked about the two seven series it's going a little bit more sure. deep. you guys have both mentioned that what is that two yeah. seven
2: yeah so the two seven is based off of Colossians two seven being firmly rooted and and so it is a combination of of our design for discipleship bible studies it includes a devotional time a prayer time developing scripture memory and really making Jesus Lord in their lives. So that is what the 2-7 series is all about. Then for our uh, collegiate students transitioning into the workplace, we have a biblical perspective on work, uh, vocation, and calling, a study on Nehemiah's life and calling, and then a study on Daniel's life and thriving in the workplace. So those last three Bible studies are ones that we were... Uh, task to develop using uh, with the Lilly Foundation.
0: How are the college campuses of America for Christian kids?
2: You know, the college campuses
3: are a great place. There are more restrictions. There are PC things, uh, along with InterVarsity Campus Say and Navigators. We've all had uh, people trying to put restrictions, but that's been resisted both legally And and so the college campus is a fruitful place. It's still one of the most fruitful places. The problem is that many of the students are coming with no background. They don't know the Old from the New Testament. They don't know who Jesus was. They certainly don't know who Elijah was. And so we're starting at an earlier point. We're starting where Al was when he came into the University of Colorado. And so we're, we're... having to help them get a biblical foundation, get them into Bible studies, and then to disciple them. But they're open, they're hungry, they, um, they want spiritual things, they just haven't been exposed to the Scriptures, and that's what we're trying to do, along with other really, really fine organizations.
1: So um, let our listeners know again how they, if this has piqued their interest, whether we're talking about the workplace, the college campuses, wherever they may have connection, how can they engage with the navigators?
0: Al? Jerry? Al's Al's call dropped. Go ahead, Jerry. Okay. Uh, First of all,
3: go to our website, navigators.org. It will allow you to search the cities, search the staff. Or they will give contact information at our headquarters to be able to redirect you. Yeah. Through our Navigator Press, NAB Press, we have a lot of resources of Bible studies that are available to help people connect. Uh, through our church discipleship ministries, we can direct you to people who are doing this in the context of churches. With the 2 7 series, it is a. It is a structured ministry that the churches can use to apply Navigator principles inside the context of the church, because we mm-hmm. want to walk alongside the church, not apart from them. So those are ways you can get in touch.
0: All right, so, Jerry, you said that navigators in all major cities. Let's just say one of our listeners is in one of those small cities out of the 19,380 cities in this country. <laughs> Uh, Can they volunteer for the navigators in their local city? Really quick, Jerry. Of
3: course. We would be happy to give some development, some training. We would put them in contact. We probably have key uh, non-staff contacts in most of those cities. And certainly within each state, we have navigators who are there. And if we can't find a navigator, we'll find somebody who is... Committed to discipleship, committed to lordship, committed to the scriptures, right. and connect them in various churches and places.
0: Jerry White, Al Miasta with The Navigators. Thank you guys for sharing your story about your trip to Manila with the Global Workplace Forum and all about Navigators and how you're impacting college students and the workplace thereafter. Thank you, Al and Jerry, for being on iWork work for him today.
2: Great being with you, General. Oh, great. Thank you very much for the opportunity.
0: You bet. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're
1: Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I I work work for him. Him.